Hey, good morning, everybody. Great to see you guys. In case I haven't met you, my name is Doug Hartley, and if you're new to Plum Creek, we're really glad that you joined us today. And as we begin the sermon here, I want to think about the power of stories. Everybody, everybody loves a great story, right? And when you think about it, your whole life is really one great story. You're going to have some high points and some low points, and the plot will take some twists and turns. But if you belong to Jesus, your story will have a great ending. I was thinking about something we say at our Discover lunch. If you're not familiar with Discover, this lunch happens every other month, and it's for anyone who wants to learn more about our church or learn what your next step might be. And by the way, the next Discover happens March 3rd, and if you're interested in coming, we'd love to have you. You can sign up at plumcreek.org discover. But one of the things we say at this lunch is this, every person has a story, and every story matters to God. Do you believe that statement is true? Man, I believe that with all of my heart. Every person has a story and every story matters to God because every human being matters to God. This week I was thinking back a few years to a, a day when I went to a Cincinnati Reds game. And this is quite a while ago now. Um, I think it was 1996, so way back in the last century. And at that time, the Reds played at Riverfront Stadium. Now, how many of you ever got to attend a game or some event at Riverfront Stadium? So a lot of us, yeah. Now, that's been a while. Riverfront was demolished in 2002. And uh, side note, if you want to see that demolition, there are some pretty cool videos online. I've watched several of them this week. But uh, back to 1996. I was there with some friends. I was sitting in the crowd, and uh, there were a lot of people there. And I started looking around, all these people. And all of a sudden, I had this really strong sense. I was thinking, man, all these different people. God knows every one of them individually, and He loves every one of them. And I was also thinking about the fact that everybody spends eternity somewhere. Some people spend eternity with God, and others will spend eternity separated from God. And when all is said and done... Jesus is our only hope. God wants all of us to be with Him forever, but the only way for that to happen is for us to accept the gift of forgiveness and salvation that only comes through Jesus. So, I'm thinking about all of these things at the Reds game, and it really had an impact on me. I, I remember it really well. I knew that I could never learn all the names. I could never know all the stories of the people in the stadium that day. But God knows every name, and He knows every story. And it's amazing to think that God knows your story inside and out better than you do. <laughs> and He cares about you. You matter to Him. And He's invited you, and He's invited me into His story. Last week, we started this sermon series called To the Ends of the Earth, and in this series, we're looking at the purpose and the mission of the church. And you know, the church plays a key role in what God is doing in the world today. 
God has this mission to bring people of all nations back into a restored relationship with him. Right before the church was established, Jesus told his disciples about their part in God's mission. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the theme verse for this series. And in this verse, Jesus is talking to the disciples just moments before he leaves this world. And here's what he says. Jesus says to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know what that is right there? That's the beginning of an amazing story. Christianity started with just a handful of disciples. The the Bible says they were unschooled, ordinary men. But from that humble beginning, uh, the message of Jesus spread from Jerusalem out to places like Athens and Rome and eventually Kentucky. Here we are. So how did that happen? Well, I want to bring back a map that we looked at last week. This map shows us what Jesus was talking about in Acts 1.8. First, in the lower right-hand corner, you have Jerusalem. That's where the church began. And in the earliest days, the vast majority of Christians were Jewish. There wasn't a lot of ethnic diversity in the church. And as time went by, the church went out to the surrounding region and made more disciples in places like Judea and Samaria. But even then, the church was almost entirely made up of Jews, not many Gentiles or non-Jews. And so they, they didn't travel very far in those early days. In fact, in the 14 years after Jesus left this world, the gospel message had spread a total of about 36 miles. And at that pace, it would take a long, long time for this movement to reach the ends of the earth. It wouldn't have happened yet. So, what changed? Well, there's a key moment in Acts chapter 10. That's where we see an encounter between the apostle Peter and a Roman soldier named Cornelius. Now, in the Bible, Cornelius is described as a God-fearing man. And that was a a description that you run into now and then in in the New Testament. So, Cornelius was a God-fearing man. He wasn't Jewish, but he also wasn't a normal Gentile because he believed in the one true God. And in these early days of Christianity, it wasn't easy for Jewish Christians to welcome Gentiles into their family, their church family. And we can understand that, right? Because for their whole lives, they, they were taught that Gentiles are unclean. You've got to keep your distance from people like that. But here in Acts chapter 10, we see that God had other plans. He gave Peter a vision. And in this vision, as you read down through, God made it very clear that Gentiles were also invited to be citizens in his kingdom. Now, Peter had to receive that vision three times because it ran so counter to what he had always heard and always believed. Finally, though, Peter got the message. And in Acts 10, verse 34, Peter said this, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. 
but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So Peter understood what God's heart was about. And of course, many of those other Jewish Christians, they, they struggled. They, they, it took a lot of convincing before they got on board with this new way of thinking. In Acts chapter 15, there's a group of hardline Jews, <laughs> Jewish Christians, and they said, okay, if, if these Gentiles want to join us, that's fine, but they've got to convert. They, they need to follow the, the law of Moses, the entire thing including circumcision. As you can imagine, that would not go over very well, that little requirement. Uh, So James, the brother of Jesus, who was a leader in the church, James confronted these guys. In Acts chapter 15, James said, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? We weren't able to follow all of God's laws and rules and regulations. How can you expect them to? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. I love that. You're not saved by trying to follow God's law, trying to be good enough. No, we're saved by grace. It's a gift. And to make a long story short, from that point, Christianity just exploded way out to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit empowered these disciples to go out and make more disciples among all kinds of different people. Uh, The church grew exponentially uh, to Europe and Asia and Africa. From the first century all the way up to the present day, countless Christians have continued to share the good news planting churches, leading people to Jesus. That's been happening for a long, long time now. At the same time, though, let's be honest. Over the past 2,000 years, the church has been connected to some pretty ugly things. If you know history at all, you've seen it. You know about the division, the compromise, the corruption, the scandals. Don't even get me started on the crusades And you know, there are always people who call themselves Christians, but they're not really sincere followers of Jesus. And make no mistake, God knows the difference. He knows who's for real, and He knows who's just playing a game. But despite those low points, there has never been a time when the true church disappeared. God's kingdom continued to grow from those early, early days, and it's still growing today. However, Jesus gave the church a task, and that task has not been completed yet. Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And we talked about this last week, that word nations It comes from the Greek word ethne, and ethne does not refer to political countries. It refers to ethnic people groups, and there are over 17,000 people groups in the world today, and many of them haven't heard the good news of Jesus. So let's go back to what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. 
That was God's plan for the New Testament church, and it's still God's plan for the church today. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Here's how it works in our time. Our Jerusalem is the community right around us, so this includes our neighbors, our our family that live nearby, uh, our friends. Our Judea and Samaria would be the surrounding region, uh, northern Kentucky as a whole, greater Cincinnati, the tri-state, and even beyond. Finally, God still calls the church to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to every people group. And that's why Plum Creek partners with missionaries and church planters all over the world. And today, a healthy church will have some kind of impact in all three of those areas, local, regional, and global. This is our goal here at Plum Creek. Here locally, uh, in our community, we're always looking for practical ways to love our neighbors. Lots of opportunities to do that, right? Uh, Back in December, we partnered with some of our schools around here, and we collected snack packs and laundry items for families in need. And, man, you guys donated 200 big bottles of Tide, and that was awesome. Now, of course, it is a good thing to go out and meet practical, physical needs to show God's love in that way. But the most important way to share God's love is to share the hope that we have in Jesus. It goes back to our mission of leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And every one of us has a role to play in that mission. So if you are part of the Plum Creek family, think about this on a personal level. Last week I had a challenge for all of us. The challenge was to sit down and make a list of three ways that you have been blessed by God. Or a lot more than that, but make a list of three. And then once you have that list, pray through this question. How do these blessings give you opportunities to bless others? And of course, there are many, many ways to bless others. But again, we need to focus on on that primary task. The greatest way to bless others is to help them know and follow Jesus. So let's think about this in terms of you specifically. First, where is your Jerusalem? How are you making disciples right here? At Plum Creek, we talk a lot about identifying your one. Uh, Your one is someone you know, someone in your circle of influence who needs Jesus. And we always say you can have more than one one, but this is something we can all do. We can all pray for our ones. We can help them take their next step closer to Jesus. But then what about your Judea and Samaria? What about your ends of the earth? How are you making disciples in those places? Well, of course, most of us are especially drawn to one of those three circles. You may be really passionate about serving locally or regionally or globally, and that's great. That's normal. God's wired us in different ways. But we can't limit ourselves either. Every one of us can participate and should participate in all three circles. And listen, I know that might sound overwhelming, um, but I don't want you to feel weighed down this morning. There's no need to feel overwhelmed. God understands that you're just one person, and you can't be everywhere. You can't do everything. The point is, we just need to be open to however God wants to use us. So let's take a minute and think about that widest circle. For you specifically, 
How is God leading you to take the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth? You know, you may go, but maybe you don't go. Maybe you support the people who do go through prayer or through financial support. Lots of ways to be involved. But whenever we talk about mission work in a different country, there's a certain question that comes up every time. And I understand this question. And it goes like this. People say, why should we invest our resources in faraway places when there are so many needs right around us here? Lots of people need Jesus in Campbell County and Pendleton County, which is true, of course. There are lots of ways to respond to that, but right now I, I want to bring up a map that I have shared here in the past. This map is from a ministry called the Joshua Project, and it shows where the gospel has spread around the world. It also shows places that have not been reached with the gospel. In the areas that are green, like North and South America, people have plenty of opportunities to hear about Jesus, plenty of opportunities to say yes or no to Jesus. Uh, we know that's true in our area, don't we? I mean, you can't go far without driving past a Christian church around here. Now, those red areas are places where the vast majority of people don't know Jesus. They haven't experienced that life-changing relationship with Him. They haven't received the gift of salvation and the promise of eternal life. In the world of global missions, we often use the phrase, unreached people groups. In an unreached people group, fewer than 5% of the population would call themselves Christians. And like I said earlier, there are over 17,000 people groups in the world, and over 7,000 of them are considered unreached. That's a high percentage. Now, some of these people don't even know the name of Jesus. Others know His name, but they don't know much about Him. Uh, somebody said it's kind of like uh, if you ask Americans about Confucius. <laughs> uh, many Americans would say, yeah, I've heard of him. I, I know his name. Uh, but many of us would also say, I don't know much about him at all. That's kind of what it's like for billions of people in the world when it comes to Jesus. There's an urgent need. And it's kind of a sad thing, but less than 1% of all money given to Christian missions goes to unreached people and places. Less than 1%. So here at Plum Creek, our global mission team makes it a priority to partner with missionaries and groups that are focused on reaching unreached people. And there are many, many places, many, many countries where Christianity is still a microscopic minority. And to be honest, it's easy for us to ignore those people. It's easy for us to forget that they even exist. And why is that? Well, for one thing, uh, the world's population recently passed 8 billion people. 8 billion is just a big number that we can't really wrap our heads around. We can't think of like how many individuals that is. But for God, He knows and loves every single one of those 8 billion people. Just like He knew all of those people at Riverfront Stadium in 1996. Every person has a story, and every story matters to God. And if you're a follower of Jesus, 
the Holy Spirit is constantly working to align your heart with God's heart. And so I have to ask myself, how aligned am I right now? Where's my heart? Am I concerned about lost people locally and regionally and globally? During this series, we have an opportunity to get more aligned with God's heart. We're collecting a special offering that will have an impact for God's kingdom near and far. We're calling it an Acts 1-8 offering. And I briefly mentioned this last week, but I want to share a little more today. Uh, First, this offering will be divided among three different kingdom initiatives. Number one is Camp Northward, which is our Christian camp down in Pendleton County. And they have a local reach, because we send kids from here down there, Um, but they also have kind of a regional reach across northern Kentucky. So that hits two circles there. Our second initiative is to provide scholarships for people at Plum Creek to go on a short-term mission trip. And the third initiative is a project in the country of Myanmar. The goal for this offering is $15,000, and the total will be divided evenly among each, each project. But let's go into some more detail about these three initiatives. First, a lot of you are familiar with Camp Northward, but in case you aren't, this is a Christian camp that was started 80 years ago, over 80 years ago now, and since that time, thousands and thousands of young people have attended a camp session where they've been encouraged and equipped to know and follow Jesus. The director of Camp Northward is Nathan DeRico. Nathan's a member here. He's also one of our elders. And I can give you lots of reasons why it's wise to invest in a ministry like Camp Northward. Uh, I have many, many personal stories I could tell you about how I've seen God work at camp. However, I wanted to hear some stories from families here at Plum Creek. Uh, Last summer, our church sent almost 50 kids to camp. And I reached out to parents and I asked them to share some of what camp has meant to their child or their family. And I got some really good responses, and you'll hear some of those over the next few weeks. Today, though, I want to read an email I got from Tiffany Espelage. Tiffany said, I have been going to Camp Northward since I was four. I would spend weeks there because my mom would serve as a counselor, and I would stay with her. When I attended the high school week between my ninth and tenth grade years, my now husband asked me to be his girlfriend during that week of camp. We have been together ever since, married 20 years, together 25 Camp Northward played a huge role in bringing someone that loves God into my life. Okay, time out. I do not want to promise that your child will find their future spouse at camp. But in this case, it happened. So who knows? Anyway, Tiffany goes on. She says, my kids have been going every year since day camp, the session for the youngest kids. Our oldest son was baptized at Camp Northward. Our middle son has special needs, but he does well mainstreamed. Two summers ago was going to be the first time that he was going to camp by himself for the entire week. I messaged Nathan about my worries, and he contacted James Jenkins to serve as a buddy for Cole that week. Since then, Cole has been able to graduate from needing a buddy, 
But it melted my mama heart knowing that Camp Northward cared enough about true inclusion to do this for Cole. I really appreciate Tiffany sharing those experiences. And like I said a minute ago, from a kingdom perspective, it's wise to invest in a ministry like Camp Northward. Several years ago, Camp Northward relocated to a a beautiful property just south of Falmouth. And they've built some really nice buildings, but they don't yet have all the facilities they need. And our offering will help meet some of those facility needs. You'll hear more about that over the next couple weeks. Okay, part two of our Acts 1-8 offering is directly connected to part three. Because in September of this year, Plum Creek is sending a mission team to Myanmar. And as you can imagine, uh, trips like this are pretty expensive. So for the last few years, many of us have donated funds to make it easier for someone to go on a short-term mission trip. That's part two. Now let's talk about that third initiative. What's this project about? And why would Plum Creek send financial support and a mission team way over to Myanmar on the other side of the world? Well, every person has a story, and every story matters to God. See the woman in this photo here? I have no idea who she is. She is from Myanmar, I do know that, but this is a stock photo. Here's what I can tell you. She's a real person. She has a story, and God knows it, and her story matters to Him. Let me tell you about someone I do know. The woman in this picture here is Niang Mang. Now, this picture is from 2016 when she was able to visit the United States, and she visited Plum Creek as well. A little background here. In 2002, uh, Niang's husband, Victor, started a mission in Myanmar. And around that time, Plum Creek developed a partnership with Victor and Niang and the mission. Now, quick pause. I'm sure a lot of us don't know very much about Myanmar. Uh, So here's a snapshot. Myanmar is located in Southeast Asia. It's right between Bangladesh and Thailand. And the country used to be called Burma. You might know that name, but they changed their name in 1989. The population of Myanmar is over 57 million people, another number. It's hard to get your head around. Uh, But 90% are Buddhists. Almost 3% are Muslim and 1% are Hindus. Only about 6% would call themselves Christians. And out of those 57 million people, Over 45 million come from unreached people groups. So this is an area that really needs the gospel. But let's get back to Victor and Nyang. Have a picture of Victor here. If you've been around Plum Creek for a while, you may remember that a little over 10 years ago, Victor died of cancer. He was only 47 years old when he passed away. And he left behind not only Niang, but four children as well. Now, I never got to meet Victor in person. He was trying to come to the U.S. and all kinds of trouble with visas. He, he never made it. Now, we did email back and forth uh, quite a bit. Uh, I got to talk to him on the phone a couple of times. And I have to say, he inspired me. Victor was laser-focused on serving Christ and serving others. 
Now, before my time, several de decades ago, Victor did get to visit the U.S. He actually came here uh, to be a student at Cincinnati Christian University just up the road. And while he was a student there, Victor prayed and he asked God to use him to do something great among his people. Eventually, Victor had this conviction that God was leading them to go back home and start a college. This college would train ministers who would go out and plant churches all over the country. That school became a reality. It was called the Minister's Training College. Uh, the school was pretty small, and the facilities were very basic, very basic. But Victor had a huge vision, huge. <laughs> he prayed that God would enable his ministry to train 1,000 ministers who would plant 200 churches by the year 2035. Victor told me that his desire to reach people for Christ was like a burning inside of him. His favorite verse in the Bible was John 15, 16. That's where Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Victor was really encouraged by those words, by that promise. Then he got sick, and then he died. So what happened next? Well, Nyang was also very committed to this mission and this vision. And she tried to carry on the work after Victor was gone. Over the next few years, though, uh, the mission faced many challenges. The number of students dwindled down to just a handful. And the majority of those students graduated from the school and then went back to serve in established churches. Meaning, new churches weren't really being planted. However, a lot of prayers were answered when... Disciple Makers International agreed to take over the school. A lot of you know that Tom Schneller is the director of Disciple Makers. Tom's a member here. And once Disciple Makers got involved, a lot of things changed. The school started to focus specifically on reaching unreached people. And they changed their name to the Missionary Training Center, or the MTC. And the goal of this ministry now is to see indigenous, reproducing, uh, vibrant churches among specifically four people groups who are considered some of the most unreached in Myanmar. So students come to MTC for eight months, and they're trained to plant churches specifically among those four unreached tribes. So at the end of this month, MTC, with this new focus, will be graduating their fourth class of students, and those graduates will be sent out to do that work. So how is this connected with our special offering? How will those funds be used? Well, I want to show you one more picture. This is a picture of the footers that Victor dug uh, along with some of the MTC students. Because Victor wanted to build this building that would be used for classrooms and an office. But today, over 10 years later, no progress has been made on that building. But we have the chance to help change that. 
when our mission team in, uh, goes to Myanmar in September, we have several goals. First, we just want to encourage Neong and the MTC students and leaders and the local church there. Uh, we're also planning to lead discovery Bible studies with adults and a vacation Bible school with children. And finally, we hope to have a groundbreaking for this new facility for the Missionary Training Center. And you can help make that happen by participating in this offering. We can take the blessings that God has given us and use them to bless others. So, please pray about this Acts 1-8 offering. Pray about what God is leading you to do. Uh, We'll be able to give toward this offering from February 25th, two weeks from now, through March 10th. But let's work to complete the task that God has given us. We are the church. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for including us in the work that you're doing in the world. And we thank you so much for inviting us into your story. And for, for Jesus who makes that possible. Lord, I pray that uh, we will take this seriously, this task and mission that you've given us. That we'll uh, more and more be aligned with your heart. We'll have the same kind of love and compassion for people that you do. Even those that we've never met. Even those that we will never meet. We know they matter to you. And so, Lord, help us as a church uh, to pursue this mission with the power that comes from your spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.